Welcome to the show. I'm James. That's Katie. And of course, that makes this episode 50, the big 5-0 of the PlayStation podcast, the Circles and Squares podcast. Um, and yeah, Kate, welcome. It's episode 50. Can you believe we made it to this giant milestone? Yeah. Oh my God. It felt like it snuck up so fast. We were at like 48, so not so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like one month ago, we were at 48 yeah. and now it's 50. It's crazy how it's numbers 50. work. Oh, I can't believe it. I didn't Seriously, know I could though. count this high, but here we are. I feel like we've had a lot of episodes like this where it's like, you know, we did the first few, we got to 10, we got to 25 was kind of the next one. And now like 50 is like the real, the last real milestone before I guess a hundred, right? And that's going to be a long mm -hmm. ways away. So we got a lot of long way to go before we get there. Yeah, it's it's pretty surreal to look back and be like, man, we've created a lot of stuff. And that's not including like the, the news show, the extra content. Mm -hmm. um, man, we, we're talking to mics a lot these days. It's fun, though. That's what it is. It's just fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we're talking to mics, our mics. Over there again, we get our friend Mike on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just a shout out for Mike. Maybe he's got to come back for some Elden exactly. Ring. Exactly. Oh, he'll be back for Elden Ring. <laughs> don't you guys worry. Um, <laughs> that'll be in a few episodes, though, because we uh, this game's not out yet, but we got some other stuff to talk about today. So let's get right into it for our 50th episode. Um, we got an interesting show today. We got, of course, the games we've been playing for the first part of the show. Um, and for the second half, we are expanding the listener mail segment to be the entire second half of the show, uh, where we have a great submission about uh, gaming trends from our friend um, Jeevan, who I guess will have used a pen name of some kind, which we'll read out later on. Uh, so we'll, we're looking forward to talking about that in the second half of the show. Um, and if you want to be cool like Jeevan, just off the top and send us some listener mail questions or comments or stories, we always ask you guys, but again, our email address, circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com, um, or find us on Twitter at the links below. Um, or wherever you're listening to this as well, get in touch and uh, we'd love to hear from you if you enjoy our content. Um, but yeah, Kate, why don't you start us off with talking about uh, something a little unorthodox for the show, but you know, <laughs> we talked about Oh Hi a few episodes ago and that was we actually, did. I mean, you enlightened me to one of my favorite things on the on mobile right now. So of course I've heard of Wordle before, but I actually am like the only <laughs> person that's never really played it. So I'm really interested to hear um, Wordle. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm here to spread the good wordle to you today. <laughs> and you can join my wordle cult as I've been I've lovingly adopted the moniker of our wordle cult leader in life. <laughs> um and this this game has absolutely taken over my life. You and a lot of other people. Possible. I see all the time it's like oh. people posting their wordles on Twitter and and absolutely you know, wordle wordle is no joke. It is a lifestyle at this point. So Maybe I'll tell you about Wordle, and then I'll tell you about how <laughs> much of a milestone this has been for me in my life. So basically, you played Mastermind, right? Like, that's sure. always the best way to describe this game, is it's essentially Mastermind, but you're using letters and words instead of, I think, numbers is traditionally how that goes. Mm -hmm. Or colors, so, I think. Mastermind is colors, colors, too. Yeah, so how it works is every single day, and what makes Wordle special is it's only a once-a-day thing. You can't out over wordle yourself you can't get burnt out on the wordle it is exclusive <laughs> and therefore special um but every day it's one word everybody gets the exact same word so it's not unique to you that's also part of the fun is because you're all guessing the same thing and you have six guesses to correctly identify a five-letter word you think about it on little boxes with a grid Mm -hmm, the green five and yellow boxes. Five by six, exactly. So it's just blank at the start. You've got nothing to go on, no hints. You got to guess a five-letter word. Now, 
as a small tangent, people have figured out on the internet like the most optimal words to guess that have the best combination of, of the most frequent letters. And I say that's not fun. I say you got to pick a word that's relevant to your day or is like, you know, someone who's already done it gives you a funny little hint or something cute like that. And you got to really just, we're all about your intuition and your heart. It's not about min-maxing, right? You can't min-max no, you, you got to play with the don't, heart. Don't take the fun out of Wordle. Like I started with the word squid yesterday because I thought that it really could be squid and it wasn't. Um, but I'll, I'll defend that word till the day I die. And so anyway, you do your first word and then this is where the magic starts to happen. The boxes with your letters will flip over and it will reveal to you some colors. And if you get a black, or I guess black or white, depends on if you're playing um, in dark mode. But for me, it's black because dark mode is king. And <laughs> of course, if, if it's black, that means that letter is not present in the word. If it is yellow, it means that that letter does exist somewhere in the word, but it's not in the position you've put it. And if it's green, that means you've got a correct letter in a correct spot. So now you have to guess another word to continue getting information until eventually you have a perfect green across the line and you've successfully wordled. So, <laughs> wow, that, you know what? That sounds simple, but I bet it's really not. <laughs> it's so simple. But you know, there's a lot of strategy to it because it's, you only get so much information, right? And sometimes your first word is fantastic and you have like two or three letters to work with. And sometimes you guess your first letter and it's literally nothing. And then you're, you're up to your own devices. So. Right, which I guess is probably why people have figured out like those optimal words, right? Yeah. If you want to play that not, way. If you want to play that way, but at the same time, it's not. Like, you know, you can use arise and that's a great word because it's got a couple vowels and R and S are very common. But like the word the other day was dodge. And like that doesn't help you at all with dodge, really. I guess you get the E, but like, Mm -hmm. You know, like there, there is an element, I guess, of luck to it. Right, you're just playing your chances more or less exactly. with using words like that. Yeah. But I think my favorite part about it is like, you know, it changes every day and you get put in these situations. My favorite thing about Wordle is I always do, unless I get a really lucky first guess, I'll usually do two guesses with unique letters. That way I've got like 10 letters to work with and I've really narrowed it down. And then I feel like as long as I've narrowed some stuff down and I have like two or three letters, I can figure it out. And I will sit for 25 minutes if I have to thinking and like, man, as a linguistic student. Like anagramming so in your head. Yeah. <laughs> as a linguistic student, it's just the best because I sit there and like, oh, I've wordled on stream before for friends and like. I'll sit there and be like, okay, because I have this vowel, I think I need another vowel, but it's most likely going to be this one because they go better together. And like, based on the I in this last position, I think it's either a D or T it has to end with. And like, I will, <laughs> I will play <laughs> this, this Wordle game to get it in three or four guesses. Yeah, that's commitment. So <laughs> Wordle, commitment. Wordle was recently bought by the New York Times, right? Are you going to subscribe to the New York it Times has. when it inevitably goes behind their paywall? I don't think it will. I think oh, everybody is concerned. They have so many games behind a paywall with New York Times. I bet you it's a matter of time. I don't know. I think it's such a fun trend right now that people are writing out. Maybe if it if it dies down. Like when the trend dies down, right? People aren't going to be playing Maybe forever. when the trend dies down. I mean, we'll see. I really hope it doesn't because it's just such a shame. It's such a cute game. And like, 
what I've read before, whether or not this is true or just a cute internet story, what I've originally read is the person who made it, like, just one guy made it for either his wife or his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, that's what I heard was, too. Like, she really liked word games, and so he made her one. And it's such a nice and cute story. And, like, I'm glad he sold it to New York Times because he probably made a shit ton of money. Yeah, I think and, he made, like, like a seven-figure sum, they said. Like, a lo yeah. I think the quote was, like, a low seven-figure sum, <laughs> which yeah, is, like, over a million bucks. I'm totally on board with that. Like, like he made a great thing, and he's set up for life, and that's awesome. But I, I do hope they don't, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. ruin Wordle. Mm -hmm. Um, probably I, I will buy it. So, uh, my, my wordling goes, goes deep. Um, I'm going to get a lot of judgment for this, but how I started wordling was uh, a good friend of mine who's also, um, very word oriented and he's a big lover of language, the same as me. Um, he told me about wordle actually, and we started wordling and we started kind of, you know, friendly competitive and sort of making fun of each other if, if one of us took an extra guess and it sort of just evolved into we have a spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i'm gonna admit to this but we have a spreadsheet that we update every day it's color-coded it's got formulas on it to like see like what our average or like median and mode and like how many wordles we've ever completed um which is 34 at this point and how many overall guesses we've done like what the most frequent letters that's it's incredible that's incredible like, oh it is it has evolved like it started out as like just a small thing and it's we've just continuously been adding to our our wordle spreadsheet so you're I, talking about being a linguistics person and getting really into <laughs> wordle you're speaking my language as an organization person about like spreadsheets and color coding like that's my thing <laughs> like yes oh. spreadsheet everything absolutely i love our spreadsheet like when i go into my google drive now that's the first thing that google drive wants me to open and it's like like depending on what time i go it's like you open wordle freak frequently around this time which is midnight because that's when the wordle resets so if i'm up at midnight i do the wordle otherwise i do it like early in the morning like when i get to work or something so like around those times my google drive be like you open Wordle frequently <laughs> at this time. And if it's not that time, it's just like, you just look at this page a yeah, lot. Yeah, Would you right. like to open it? <laughs> That's awesome. So, but wow. you know what? It's fun. Like, it's kind of silly and like, yeah, it, you know, whatever. It's like, quote unquote, a, a trend. But at the same time, it's super fun. It's very social. Like, um, shout out Jonah is, you know, my Wordle buddy. And I adore him and we do our wordle and we talk about it literally every single day and we leave little comments in our spreadsheet it's adorable and then i've gotten like a bunch of other friends into it so like i have a discord chat that like every yeah, wordle. The whole page is just wordle and it's just people posting their wordles and i go through and heart every single one of them <laughs> to encourage them all and like i've got another group chat with friends and it's just wordle posts and like God, your life's just, being taken over right now how have you played anything else but I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? It's half an hour once a day and I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm free mm -hmm. for the rest of my day. And then I have something to look forward to. <laughs> it's, it's flawless, really. Congratulations is, on finding it. It is flawless. So I, I honestly think like it's cute and I get it's not for everybody. But mm. if you have any interest in words or little fun little games like that or rituals or like just something fun that you want to like have a little competition with someone about, um, I, I should really take this up. I think I would enjoy it yeah, quite a bit. Try my, you know, I'm going to start sending you my wordles. <laughs> you should. Yeah, do. Get me into it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that, that's been probably one of my favorite games of all time uh, is now Wordle.
but I do play real games. As, I mean, not the world. It's not a real game. <laughs> but I do play, like, you know, more traditional video games as well. Um, I'm kind of in that awkward lead up to Elden Ring where I don't really want to, like, yeah. start too much or play anything too intense because... Um, we are sitting it's the 20th as of recording which means we're five days away and i'm so excited if there's one if there's reputations i have now it's one for wordle and one for FromSoft games like i've been getting messages from people i don't speak to on a <laughs> frequent basis because of Elden ring and you know just like messages with no context like oh my god are you excited and i know exactly what they're talking about like, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so i i cannot even begin to describe how much of a little kid I feel like when it comes to my excitement for Elden Ring. Um, but, you know, with that in mind, I was thinking I want like a nice, chill, cozy game um, that I can just play up until that. And so I started Cuphead because what's more relaxing than an intense bullet hell? <laughs> exactly. Well, um, you know what? It's uh, you, at least you chose something really fun. I did choose something really fun. I'm having a blast. My cat loves it. I don't know if it's whatever the the art style or he loves the music or what, but like Neville gets so excited. I've been putting it um, like HDMI from my computer to the TV and sitting on the couch. And we've been playing it that way and he's just adoring it. Um, so yeah, we've talked Cuphead before yeah, and I, we'll I, I, talk more when I beat it. But right. What are your What are your up. initial impressions though? Like, how far initial are you at? Initial impressions and heads up. So I have played Cuphead before, mm. um, years ago. I mentioned, but I played it co-op, and so I've been playing it totally single player now. And oh my god, so much easier single player, single player, right? So much easier. Like, I don't even think the person I played with sucked. So there's not even <laughs> that to rag on. But just like the amount of health increase and like, with the game with Cuphead, right? Is like I find that I'll just die a bunch. And then I'll flawless the level. Mm, mm -hmm. And so, like, it's about, like, just kind of learning and doing it over and over again until you get that, that like, perfect run. But the problem with co-op is, like, you both need to have that exactly. perfect run. You can't beat it if you have a perfect run. And, like, it's just, there's just so much health to go through if one person doesn't do well. Right. And so to combine, like, you both having a good run versus, like, just you having a good attempt is so much easier to play single player i find yeah and because the, the game is more about like getting your hits in while you're staying keeping yourself alive as opposed yeah. to like the extra firepower of two people like you you won't yeah. outlast the boss unless you prioritize keeping yourself alive for i feel most yeah. of the time and so that's what makes it so much easier single player i totally yeah. totally agree yeah i played a little bit co-op myself like i beat the whole thing single player too but i played like co-op you know a couple times just with friends and yeah it's dramatically more difficult Yes, like I would love to go through a co-op because it's just a fun game and like it's so cool that co-op is a function. But at the same time, like I feel like it works really well just like I pass the controller back and forth as mm -hmm. well. Because you die so quick sometimes, right? Yeah. You take a couple it's hits so and it's just, fast. you're back. It's so fast. So yeah, I, I'm really enjoying Cuphead. I mean, like the presentation of this game is just flawless. Like it is incredible. Like I love the music, the sound design, like the art, like... I'm on the dragon boss right now. I like that guy a lot. Yeah. Stuck. Um, I think he was the first real like challenge boss. You know, like not that yeah. any of them are easy, but he's the first one. I I had the same thing where I was like, well, I actually have to do this a few more times than anything yes. previous. Yeah. That's that's where I've gotten, and I think this fight is so interesting because it it you you've kind of gone through the quote unquote tutorial you've learned, and they keep introducing like new things to think about and so with the dragon and also um 
the bird, the cuckoo mm-hmm. clock bird. Now you're one, you're worrying like about like what's behind you more right. yeah, than yeah. what's in front a lot of the time. And I think that's really interesting because it took me a little bit to kind of like get that in, in frame and to like pay as much attention to the back of the screen as the front of the screen because it kind of keeps you on your toes, which is really interesting. It does, yeah, especially the dragon too, because with the plane, at least like with the cuckoo clock bird, you're in the plane, so it's kind of like that side scroller bullet, bullet hell. Like in, mm-hmm. you've played games like that before, and sometimes it does yeah. kind of come from the back. Whereas with the dragon, when you're on foot, that's when I feel like you don't really expect things to be coming from both sides as well, and that that's what really trips you up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I love the dragon, and just like the art too, like he shoots those those um fireballs and like just the the animation on how the fire comes down and the trail of smoke that goes behind them like there's just so many good little details in this game that i just can't help but have this like big stupid grin on my face as i'm like just noticing all these little things so i love it i'm gonna beat the dragon probably later today like (laughs) i I, it's been on my mind um i i realized though that i'm playing with weird imposed difficulty and i don't want this dragon to be what what kills that for me but i haven't used the shop Um, what i just haven't gone to the shop yet i kind of forgot that that was a thing i was just sort of running through the levels and like some of them were familiar to me so i got through relatively quickly yeah and it's starting to get pretty difficult now and i'm thinking like man i don't seem to be doing a whole lot of damage (laughs) yeah the the different guns and different stuff is kind of the whole point well not the whole point point. but i mean you're supposed to use them. <laughs> yeah, like it is it's definitely an important part of the game. But I feel like I've come so far without going to the shop that I almost want to see how far I can make it and just be really stubborn and... about it. So this dragon is kicking my ass with my little pea shooter. <laughs> it's not a very good weapon. You know what? I like um... the pea shooter a lot, but it's just not so useful. Like props to you if you're able to make it much further without the other guns, just because, I mean, the pea shooter is good for... For some things but it's nice to have that alternate fire when you need to switch to something else which is yeah. like the, the problem you're gonna run into because eventually you're dodging so much it's like hard to line up the shots with the pea shooter as well yes yes i'm spending a lot of time not dpsing when i am dpsing i don't feel like like i feel like the dragon fight is taking so much longer than other fights did and it's just like i mean it's only like a couple minutes right but yeah it feels really long, but I'm still enjoying it. And so I'm not going to like force myself to keep playing this way, but I'm a little bit, I've been known to be a little bit stubborn in games before. Sure. And I'm going to see how far I can ride this out. Um, um, well, but anyway, Cuphead, Cuphead is incredible. Like I, I'm already sold enough that like the DLC is, is getting purchased at some point. Oh yeah. No, I can't out. wait for that too. And the Cuphead shows out now too. I haven't watched that yes. yet, but apparently oh, it's pretty God. good. I gotta watch it. So yeah, we'll we'll talk more Cuphead and see where I go. So far, if I had to pick a favorite boss, I do really like this dragon. Yeah. Um, the genie, I I adored. Um, it's probably one of my maybe my favorite plane level. Um, the circus boss or the circus, the circus run boss. and gun level. Oh, the right, run and right, gun right, on yeah. the circus. I genuinely really enjoyed that one. Which it has like the clown cars just- coming out, right? Yeah, the oh, no, not the clown car is coming out. There is, there's two, I guess. There's the one where um, you have to go, you go on those like platforms and they're shooting the balls and they like knock right. the platforms yeah, yeah. down and you're like jumping around. Yeah, and you have to like parry off of the little like to get higher up. Right. So I I think the running gun is always said as like the lesser interesting part of the game and it 
it is, but I still like them. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few later on that are a lot cooler than some of like the running guns are a little hit and miss to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the the bosses, there's very few where I think it wasn't enjoyable. And then to me, like some of my favorites are the plane levels. I love the flying I love levels. The plane. I think because it's something about being less restricted with your movement and being able to focus just on the dodging and like the bullet hell aspects rather than kind of mm-hmm. doing that and platforming. I just love that straight bullet hell and the way that it breaks up because there's very few plane levels compared to the rest Mm -hmm. so whenever you get to one you're like oh hell yeah this is a surprise like it's nice to be back in the plane and you're always hyped it is nice for a change yeah if i had to pick yeah my three favorites so far probably i love this dragon um i loved the genie and i really like the like dessert level the dessert (laughs) level yeah yeah. (laughs) um so yeah, I will I'll keep playing Cuphead. Um, I'll yeah, keep me updated for one. sure. I'm ha- I'm interested to see like how far do you make it with the pea shooter because, boy, I couldn't imagine <laughs> playing with just the pea shooter. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, like I just sort of forgot. Like I got to the shop the first time. I was like, I don't know what I want. Like I only have so much money. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, what if I, I don't know what I want yet. I'll just save it. And then I just kind of kept playing and forgot about the shop. And then I was on the cuckoo clock and I'm like, oh man, like this is hard. Maybe I should buy something. I was like, no, I can do it. I'm I'm getting better. And then I went to the dragon. I was like, oh shit, I really should yeah. go to the shop. Well, the, the cuckoo clock is different though, because in the plane, you can only use the pea shooter ever. There's no other oh, guns. Oh, you can't buy So planes. the plane okay. is a little bit of a misleading level. Yeah, you. that's the okay. thing. But you know what? The next evolution would be like, okay, buy a second weapon, but you one of them always has to be the pea shooter. And then you just alternate the second right. weapon. Right. You know? I, could, I could just be slightly could, like, more flexible. Rank it up a little bit. Yeah. But you know what my favorite part of the game so far is? <laughs> What's it's that? the mausoleums. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, those are like, fun too. Scary. Like the those little challenges. They're like they so get pretty. Fun. The last one when you make it to the kind of like end of the game is is actually like pretty hard to to keep them mm-hmm. all away too. Like there's yeah. they're no joke. I have found them relatively easy so far. Yeah. Um, but I just think they're they're super cute. And if there's anything I love in video games, it's it's little like mini games that you get to play inside the main game. And it's a perfect one because the parry is, is a cool parry in this game. It so, is. Big and it works really well the way it like restores your ultimate moves. And all that yeah. Stuff. And it's nice too because it's often like risk reward. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, do you do you go like you can dodge and that's probably safer. But if you can go for a parry and get it and then get out, then. Well, sure. You know, like, that's the that's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. I love cool. it. I love it. <laughs> maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a bonus podcast on the Cuphead TV show at some point. Dude, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. I gotta beat it first. You don't want to spoil anything, you know? Like, well, I don't want to know what Mugman's <laughs> up to outside of the game. <laughs> Man, yeah. But cool. Well, then I'll watch it. We'll check in with Cuphead in the future. But for now, Kate, let me tell you about Rain on Your Parade, which is a fun little indie game. Uh, which I played on Game Pass over the last couple days. It's from Unbound Creations. Um, and this is, you ever play, uh, I, I talked about Donut County. I don't know if you ever went and played yeah, that on the podcast. I haven't, but I'm relatively familiar with it. Gotcha. Um, so I would I would liken this game a lot to that. Like, it's kind of like a chill sort of puzzle game that's that's more focused on like, you know, it's got some funny humor in there. I personally find it a little bit like, didn't miss with the humor in this one, but it's it's very much like go from level to level. Like, what's the what's the gimmick? What are you trying to do? And in this game, you're you're playing as a cloud and you're kind of everything's made out of cardboard, similar to like, I guess, a Paper Mario style kind of kind of world or like Unravel or what's that game on PSP? Unravel or not Unravel, um, Tearaway, mm-hmm. Tearaway. That's okay, the other one. I was say Snipper Clip. Not Snipper. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're going around and you're kind of in these different environments and you've got different objectives to complete. So the game starts off, it's super simple and it's like, okay, you push the A button to rain and you just fly around and it's like 
hey, there's some stuff in this garden. You got to rain on it and grow it. So you just fly around, like water the plants. Everything grows and it's all good. And it starts to escalate a little bit. Like you, the levels start getting a bit silly. And it's like, you know, we're at a school now and you're going to rain in everyone's backpack so their homework gets all wet. <laughs> or like rain on the teachers so that they like get upset. And it just, you know, you're, you're kind of having a good time with that. And then later and later in the game, it just starts getting like really, really ridiculous to where you're like, changing what's in your cloud so you can fly over top of like um an acid pool and your cloud turns from white to green and then all of a sudden you're like acid rain so you can burn like you know do different stuff stuff with that or you can fly over top of a coffee pot and you turn brown and then you rain coffee into people's mm -hmm. coffee mugs so you're supposed to do that that type of thing um and then in combination with the raining you also start getting different powers like you eventually can um zap lightning bolts from the sky so if someone has an umbrella they're holding up you can zap them they'll drop it and then you can rain on them stuff like that um <clears throat> you also get like a hurricane power where you can sort of suck things in and it becomes almost like katamari damachi where everything kind of like <laughs> gets blended together and you're trying to like move things around but they just have some interesting ways of combining all these different abilities that you get and the levels, like, they're never super complicated to where you can't figure them out or there's never, like, a time limit or a lot of sort of skill-based stuff. There are a few levels, like, story-wise there. You have kind of a nemesis that's, like, Dr. Dry Spell and he's trying to get rid of clouds and all this stuff, yeah. so he's trying to stop you and you've got to avoid him a little bit. But more on the, in general, the game is more, like, you know, enjoy, interact with these cool sort of sandbox environments and get the laughs out of it and, and light mm -hmm. puzzle solve more so than something really complicated. I found Donut County was probably a little bit more complicated than this. Um, okay. And like maybe a little bit more well-written also. I think I prefer Donut County in general, but this is more of the same sort of premise if you're interested in that kind of stuff. But um, the the game is, yeah, it's it's premise. The premise, I guess, is like this grandfather is telling a story about a cloud to his grandchild. And then that's where the levels and the inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and the overworld, which you're going between level to level, is so it's very similar to Overcooked, how you're driving, like, instead of okay. driving your bus along an overworld, you're flying your cloud over top. And then every level has the same, like, three-star objective type of deal as the overworld right. thing. Um, so it's, it's kind of a high score thing in that way, too. But it, it's just, like... The the whole presentation is really fun. I don't know if that you had is, a question. I couldn't tell if you're. It is to... well, it's adorable. I was just gonna say, like, I I hadn't heard about this game. Yeah. Um, because I I don't have Game Pass yet. Um, I think it's on it's Switch as well. Problem. Yeah. Yeah, but like, this is the perfect Game Pass game, right? Because it takes you what, like, three or four hours to beat it. Yeah, it and took so, me like three hours, or yeah, yeah about. exactly. And so it's the kind of thing where like you wouldn't necessarily be like you know, my $15 or 20 bucks is best spent on rain on your parade. And that's not a bash at the quality of the game. It's just that like games are expensive and we don't have the luxury of buying every single cute little thing that we see. Right. But when it's on game pass, like it is just the perfect thing to hop into as like a fun little palate cleanser or something relaxing to do for an evening. Totally. And like this game looks adorable. I love the the art style. The cloud is cute. Like he's wearing hats sometimes. Yeah, like, you can kind of customize him a bit. There's customization if you get like three stars or the max score on whatever level, mm -hmm. then you can unlock different hats and stuff to put on. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot That's of stuff. That's cute. The other thing I gotta say is how is the music? Because their trailer on <laughs> Steam, at least the first one, has like a fun kind of almost electro swing kind of song going to it. And I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's I would say it's it kind of keeps up that tone. I, I didn't 
I mean, we, we talk about the soundtracks of games pretty often, I feel, when we when we talk about them. I don't think this one stood out in the way where I'm like, wow, this mm-hmm. is like, you know, amazing soundtrack. I'm playing this game for, for that. But I mean, it fits the tone of the game. It, it's not, it doesn't get grating. It doesn't get repetitive. It It's not annoying at all. Um, I guess, I don't know. I, I would say it's just kind of there personally but okay. if, you're, if it's your kind of thing like it's it's not like it detracts and it, it's it's good enough for sure and the thing is like your the levels are relatively short and the overworld has its own kind of music so as you're mm-hmm. going through you're never really listening to something for too too long and it kind of switches it up enough and the different levels have different music as well depending on the setting like sometimes you're in a city and you're outside other times you're in like the school building or the office building um and speaking of that that's like the last thing i have to say about this game because it's relatively simple like there's not a, a mm-hmm. ton to say about it other than this game has some really interesting referential humor that I I just was not expecting. Like there's a few levels and this is this is light spoilers, but again, it's the kind of spoilers that I feel is kind of enticing to tell people so they go yeah, play. Yeah, it's, it's spoiler hooks. Yeah. Is like, well, first of all, who cares about spoilers for a game like this? But second, like there's actually like the office levels in this game. Like some of the objectives oh, like you're actually from the show? you're actually in the show. Like the when you when you go into the level, you're that's the level I was saying. Like you can absorb the coffee from the coffee maker. Mm-hmm. So the the game was like, okay, fill everyone's coffee mug, and there's a few other things to do. But as you're flying around, it's like the layout from the office. Like you come in the front door, and there's the couch and the reception desk mm-hmm. and Michael's office, and there's there's this generic kind of looking dude that's sort of looks like michael and you go through the lunchroom and you, you can just see like oh that's i think this is where like accounting sits over here like yeah. you can see these three people and there's like a series of three levels that you do and that um you know the office has like the black screen at the top the front mm-hmm. that says like the office and it's got yeah. like level cards kind of like that and there's a three level set where you do you do that so it was like wow this really came out of nowhere i was not expecting <laughs> uh, the office to be in this game but it was and there's a that couple other things like that too that i won't mention um, but it, there, there's a few just little references. There's like one of there's a Metal Gear Solid level where you're sneaking around and it's like they, they call you through a codec and stuff. And if you die, that's one of the few levels I did die on during the game. And they're like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's like snake, snake. And they, they have like a play on that that happens if you die. So it's it's just like those little bits of delight. And the game is short enough to where you'll probably get through it all and see them all. So mm-hmm. it's 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 I would recommend this for sure. Like if you have Game Pass check it out no doubt about it and even for 15 bucks i think it's worth it if you're interested and if it goes on sale for like you know 10 or less i think it's really a no-brainer if you just want to sit down for an evening have a good time and play mm-hmm. some fun little puzzle stuff you know well, it's good yeah yeah that's cute i mean it's, it's on the list right it just yeah we always know how that list goes <laughs> absolutely absolutely Oh, one other thing too, I just realized before mm-hmm. I get into my next game, I had one other thing written down, which was just so funny. So I told you before, like the story is um, a grandfather talking to his grandchild, like bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And the grandfather was, um, the grandchild was like telling the grandfather that he was bullied at school. And, um, you know, a lot of the story is like the grandfather making up bullshit out of his ass to like, on, to, like get the kid to be satisfied with the story like oh the story's mm-hmm. not good enough oh well, yeah i forgot to tell you the cloud can like use thunder and that's how you yeah. get your new abilities so he's he's trying to like oh maybe the cloud can do something about your bully right and i thought mm-hmm. like i thought like oh i'm gonna go like rain on the bully and ruin his day or something like that yeah. but <laughs> the next mission was literally like birthday party set all the presents on fire <laughs> so he, <laughs> like, there's a birthday party going on in a backyard and you like fill the cloud with oil and lead it from the barbecue over to the presents and like burn all his presents like man That's this really amazing. was like took this a little further than I thought. And that's kind of the moment when I noticed, okay, this game's going to be a bit more ridiculous than I thought. 
and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it really I mean, never came yeah. Out. With that kind of premise, like that's what makes it fun, right? Like the yeah. gameplay sounds like it is cute puzzle solving, but like the the joy of that game is the novelty it's of the like, laughter, right? Kind of how like outrageous it gets. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of outrageous, I played something else, and this was of course from PS Plus this month. We uh, I decided mm-hmm. I was going to play some UFC four because you know. I know it's not really for us. One of us had to bite the bullet here, and we got to talk about the PS Plus. I took one for the team, and you know, I took a lot of punches for the team too, Kate, right to the face. I did not do so well um, in my experience playing UFC, but um, (laughs) man, this game is so hard. There, there is an unbelievable amount of complexity to this, and I mean, I feel like also like I don't really understand UFC. Like it's not my sport of choice, and and I can see like knowing the rules of a sport and knowing kind of how the how it goes is is just as important as knowing how to play the game right 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 and so i kind of struggle with that and it's very fighting game adjacent like the the controls i imagine like obviously ufc is a fighting it's a fighting sport so it's gonna be somewhat adjacent but um to that but the, the controls are, are very intuitive for their complexity i just think they're the kind of thing you'd really have to spend a lot more time with to get used to than i had right is it stuff like it's so it's not like actual fighting game stuff where it's like you got a quarter circle forward and like not to that level. No, not like that. So I actually wrote the controls down here because I think like I'm actually really blown away with how intuitive they are. So you pay, basically have like your face buttons are um triangle and or square and triangle are your two punches with each fist and then mm-hmm. the same for the kicks on X and circle. I think okay. it's kind of similar to like a Tekken setup if I'm getting that right. Um, yeah. for those buttons anyway. And then you kind of have so those are for like body shots and body kicks and stuff. And then if you hold either L2 or L1, you can change it so you're aiming like at the legs or at the head of your opponent. And then depending oh, okay. if you push that's, those buttons, you can like unique. kick them in the head or like punch them in the head and vice versa. Okay, that is that is quite unique because normally it's just like if you're like crouched, then that'll be low, right? Right, right. I think, yeah. I think the this game is like, I use the word fighting game because it's UFC and fighting, but it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. like not akin to any fighting game I played before. Like I enjoyed playing this actually significantly more than pretty much any fighting game I played before because it's it's more like simulation-y compared to right. those games, you know. But more like easy to jump into yeah. as a new player. Well it's like an it's like an EA sports thing, right? Like it's built for more of a I don't think it's necessarily casual is the right word because I think people get like really right. hardcore into UFC and there's a lot of people that aren't like sports game people that get into this. But it's not yeah. the same as like pulling off combos in a fighting game. It's much slower mm-hmm. and more methodical. And you can do stuff like if you hold R1, you get into like the grapples and there's a whole different control scheme that comes up that I don't, I didn't really get a chance to, to uh, sort out where you're like choosing if you want to kind of choke, try and choke them out or try to like pin them so you can punch them in the head <laughs> on the ground or, or what <laughs> you're really trying to do. But, that's like, what's that YouTube? It's like, you're going to choke them out. Oh, yeah. Bass Rudin, Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Bass, Bass Rudin. <laughs> Bong. Right, right straight. Bong. <laughs> <laughs> you give him the bong bong. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Anyone that's not seen that, look like up Bass Rudin on, on YouTube Bass and you're going to have a great time. <clears throat> um, but then you're using, yeah, you're using the right stick. So your analog stick is kind of, you can weave in and out and kind of dodge like this. And then there's other stuff that sort of happens. Like if you push, um, I think it's triangle and circle or square and X, you can do like uppercuts and, and this stuff. And so that's kind of the basics of how it works. But man, this game goes so hard at you and it expects you to understand a lot of like how your stamina works and all these different, like there's, there's meters and I think they're kind of tracking the damage to like your head and your body and like different body Hmm. parts because you're supposed to try and, and guard, right. Of like different things. And you can do, it goes into the kind of depth of like, you know, you stand with whichever way you're standing, you either have your your left or your right leg at the front. 
but then if you click down the right stick you can choose your other leg will be your lead leg kind of like switching your snowboard on the, on like a snowboarding right, game okay. but you're you're trying to keep track of like oh my lead leg has taken a lot of damage and they're going to be able to knock me over easier because i've you know it's gotten weaker mm -hmm. in that way and so you're you're constantly monitoring that kind of thing and then also if you your stamina like the way the stamina works is not so much it doesn't stop you from moving or throwing punches but if your stamina gets low, like if you're throwing a lot of heavy punches, like I was, I was a boxer, right? Like I was, I, mm -hmm. I tried to prioritize and like stand up fighting because I didn't want to learn like all the wrestling grappling yeah. stuff, but I was Fair like enough. really just swinging for it. You know, I was trying to knock this person out and it was just, I got my stamina so low and they were able to just like basically one shot me because I, I was exerting too much energy from my character. Right. And so there's you a lot exhausted. here. There's really a lot here. And I, huh. and I honestly think this seems like a pretty cool game. Um, and if NHL wasn't my sort of one sports preferred game of choice, I I could actually see a world where I got into this. Um, again, also, if I didn't like playing so many different things and doing the podcast and trying to play enough to talk about different stuff, like I don't, I definitely won't stay with this, but I could see a world where I would. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that is really interesting. I'm, I'm impressed just hearing about this because like, they're kind of, I don't know, they're always hit and miss for me. And like, Maybe it's super unfair, but the first place my mind went to when this game came on, I know, I know it's like they're made by totally different developers and they're like totally different things uh, in, in real life as well. But my mind went to like that WWE game we played, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was hilarious <laughs> and a ton of fun, but it was so bad. It was terrible. <laughs> like, it was terrible. And so like, you know, WWE is obviously not the same thing as UFC. Don't, don't hate me for saying that. Um, but like, I just, I assumed a more like arcadey kind of thing. Which is yeah. obviously this is not. No, this is like Sim, Sim, and it starts off too. Like the EA has been doing these kind of career modes for a while. Like I played the NFL one, yeah. and it's kind of cool. Like the game starts off and it's like it puts you in the tutorial is basically like you make your character and then you're kind of going through and this guy's like, hey, I, you know, I'm an injured fighter and I was gonna do really well, but now you're in my new protege and he like welcomes you to your gym and you're, you're doing like training exercises and then you get put in a fight mm -hmm. and then training and then put in a fight and it, it's kind of like building up your career right and there's like skill points for your character you enter different matches and stuff and so um obviously you start off really low and like the first couple fights in the game take place outside of like a gas station and the, under this tent there's like a ufc <laughs> ring <laughs> and, I, and i like got my ass beat two times outside of this <laughs> gas station even though i think i was I don't know. It's like the first fight, right? Like it should be pretty easy, but mm -hmm. I just got beat down by this girl. Like I, I made a girl character. I actually made Ash, made it look like her as mm -hmm. best I could. The character customization, not so great. Um, it's hard to really make it look like you. Um, I feel like a lot of it's because they have a lot of cosmetic damage they put on your characters. Like it, you oh, okay. really get like bloodied up throughout the different rounds of the fight. Like by the end of some of the fights, you know, my gloves were like red and stained with blood and and my opponents like their face was getting swollen and beaten in me too so i feel like maybe that's affects the customization because they have to make it right dynamic like and how they can work with the different yeah. damage you get but it still wasn't great but anyway i got my ass beat two times outside the gas station and then i was sitting kind of in the in the training place i'd done my next tutorial and i had this guy like he texted me on my phone in the game and he was like hey there's a really good wrestler coming in and like you know you should take them on and i was just like oh god like why not you know like <laughs> high level opponent sure <laughs> i'll take them on okay. and guess what i ended up beating that person my third match i feel like oh, i'd kind of wow. mastered the controls a bit more i'd gotten mm -hmm. in there and they kept trying to take me to the floor right and i just was immediately trying to get up as best i could i got up mm -hmm. but because i was a boxer i was able to beat them at the stand-up game 
and right. kind of yeah, yeah. and I and it went down to the decision. We went the max amount of rounds, but because I landed a lot of heavy blows to their head, somehow they didn't get knocked out. Like this woman had like a skull of steel. Like she did not <laughs> get knocked out. But I I had her kind of on the ropes, you know. And they ended up giving me the decision at the end. The guy looked mm-hmm. at my arm, and I was like, hell yeah, I beat someone. And that's kind of where I ended it for the night because I just wasn't about to, you know, <laughs> I was yeah. wanting to end and on, on a, a victory, note. right? And on yeah, a victory. absolutely. Yeah. But Before anyway, you get yeah. concussed and end up in the hospital, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was, it was I was blown away. In the same way that we were disappointed by the WWE game, um, this is a legitimately good game, I think. And uh, if you're a UFC fan, fighting game fan, like, I, I'd say you could check it out. And if you can get past, like, kind of the, you know, the sports bro kind of sim aspects of, of what it is, the, the mechanics are actually really fun. Like, if, if this game had the same mechanics, but it was skinned to be, like, you know, a video game, Mm-hmm. video game as opposed to like a, a sports game for you know whatever sports people i feel like this would actually be received really well by by like video game like gamers you know? <laughs> instead of just people who are going to write it off for being ufc yeah that's interesting i feel like out of all the sports games this is by far the one i would mm-hmm. play if i was going to play one yeah no I, I would recommend it like i actually think you would enjoy it i just think you would be put off by the trappings of sports kind of mm-hmm. setting like dana white showed up in there like the ufc commissioner he was like i'm gonna watch your fight and luckily that's the one that i won because oh you know, good you want to impress yeah. him for sure you don't want to you don't want that guy watching you get beat up behind a gas station <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah anyway that's ufc and that's uh ps plus for the month so not that it was bad but let's hope for some more stuff that we're super interested in uh next month but um yeah that's what we've been playing of course we've been playing a lot more in the background i'm going to be talking about um persona strikers next next episode mm-hmm. i've been trying so hard to beat that game in time for i know this episode. i keep i keep seeing uh, uh i keep seeing it pop up on you know I, yeah. when you're spying on your friends a little bit that's like, right persona. that's right yeah i've been on there it's been it's been enjoyable i'm gonna definitely finish it i'm like right at the end i just you know wasn't able to get it done yeah and i know you've been that's playing okay. a lot of stuff too i have been i have been um yeah we've got i mean elden ring is gonna be the big hotness for the next three months but um i've been playing a lot of detroit become human and genuinely, I want to wait till I finish this game to talk mm-hmm. about it because it's Especially just, a game like just that. so much to unpack. Um, but genuinely, like it's top, like at least top ten best games for me, maybe wow. top five. I am, I've absolutely fallen in love with this game. Awesome! Um, wow, we'll have to so talk about that, that for sure because that's, that's one I've beaten too, and that would be fun to go in depth mm-hmm. on that for sure. Uh, but for now, Kate, why don't we move into the second half of today's show? Uh, which is an extended listener mail segment because we had an interesting uh, set of questions written in by a good friend, Jeevan, um, who goes under some pen names. But you know what, Jeevan, if you're going to make us read some ridiculous uh, <laughs> names and all these weird things out on the show, then you get to be called out by your real name. So there you go, my friend. Um, and he wrote in a really good question. So like we said at the top of the show about uh, gaming trends, and I don't know if you have it there ready to read out for our fine listeners. I have it here. I am not ready to read this out. Um <laughs> Jeevan, Jeevan, Jeevan. Uh, he says, happy, happy, cirky squares. <laughs> and then he's put an uwu, which, uh, you know, that's a choice. And he wants to know, what is our least favorite gaming twend in the last five years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that comes, oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't come from Jeevan. It comes from Robert Jackson Esquire, no spaces. Um, Robert Jackson. Name. I wonder what his last name is. Hard to tell. I don't know. Robert Jackson Esquire, first name, 
<laughs> yeah, perfect. Anyway, um, thank you for the question, G. This is it's a good question, right? Last five years pre gaming trends, and we decided to modify it a little bit just because it's hard to be like I don't like to be negative, Nancy's. You know, we get a lot of questions written in like, oh, what's the worst game mechanic? What's the worst game trend? Yeah, we like to throw a little bit of positivity fun to talk on there. About yeah, the bad stuff, but it's also nice to like end on a on a good note. So. Yeah, nice to mix it up, and so I guess we just it's just going to be a, a, a springboard into like a bigger conversation yeah. of just gaming trends in general. So I don't know where you want to start, Kate. Do you have like a glaring trend that you came up with or do you want me to go first um, what do you feel yeah i can point out one maybe before because this is not um a game specifically this is more gaming industry so mm -hmm. maybe just to get this out of the way i'm concerned about these nesting companies and everything yeah. being scooped up as right. the first place my mind went and you know we've just had very pertinent acquisition too. yeah just acquisition after acquisition lately and like that's not always a horror story right and in um isolated situations that can be really positive um but i'm just concerned at the overall trend of like studios becoming less and less independent and everything becoming some kind of like competition between mm -hmm. two companies that are just trying to get as much under their belt as possible so yeah i i agree with you too like i think consolidation is just it's not it's not a healthy thing for pretty much any industry right because it i think it yeah. takes away that competition and although there might be competition between like i guess it's xbox and playstation right and i guess like nintendo mm -hmm. too obviously but i feel like still having like two mega corporations where they eventually if they were to own like all these different studios it's just it just feeds that like picking sides thing where it's like oh playstation mm -hmm. so good xbox sucks no xbox is the best playstation sucks and it, like everyone has to fight yeah, about it and it it ends up, yeah, it ends up creating a lot of conflict and ends up not being consumer friendly, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like, well, these these games are exclusively on systems. And I think it's, there's nothing wrong with exclusives. Like, I understand why they exist, but it's different when it's like first party studios that are making the exclusives mm -hmm. versus like, we're buying all the big third party studios and now they're becoming first party studios right. and just kind of getting rid of that like middle ground that exists outside of the big companies mm -hmm. and so i mean mm -hmm. we're not there yet there's tons of amazing indie studios and there's tons of studios that are still independent yeah and there's but lots like, of times too like there's lots of examples of people leaving big studios to make their own yeah. like i think we saw with um oh in in far far axis studio or something there was a story earlier in the year like some people from bungie i think had left and like made their own mm -hmm. which ironically now playstation owns bungie <laughs> but like before they had left and i think they played they were being funded by playstation for that multiplayer game we like read a story about and, mm -hmm. and so i guess there's stuff like that too but i mean yeah in general i think it's something to be worried about like long term you know like in the short term mm -hmm. it's like wow you know Bethesda was bought by Microsoft. This is great. I get all these games on Game Pass for no increased price. And yeah. like, that type of thing is really consumer friendly. But I think, you know, five more years down the road and all of a sudden it's like, well, now they've increased the price of Game Pass. And there's only a tier where if you're going to play the first party stuff, you have to pay more. And then you're only getting mm -hmm. so much. And But all of this is gated off because Microsoft bought all these companies. And now you have to buy this. You know, you can only get it from this one place. And it's it's a slippery slope, which I, you know... Yeah. It's it's hard to say how it'll turn out, and you hope it turns out to be good, but it's just, yeah, having everything owned by one person, it's not so good. It's the reason our, like, cell phone prices are so high, you know? Like, yeah, one of three companies exactly. we can only get our contracts from and stuff. Yeah, and our car insurance is just, like, an absolute abomination. Oh God, Shout start. out to anyone who lives in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're dying. Oh, my God, here. I got to renew next us? month. Fuck me. <laughs> Kill me now. Kill me now. Yeah, that's a... 
I like that trend, though. That's one I was going to write down, too. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of mine are actually industry stuff similar to yours and and whatnot as well. Like, for me, I guess one of the one of the bad industry trends that I wrote down, if we're going to start off with some negative stuff, is, like, I really don't like the way that games are being monetized these days and, like, the trend. There's a couple different trends here, right? Like, one of them is free-to-play. One of them is the way we're being conditioned by, like, Steam and all these things of, like, I don't buy a game unless it's 10 bucks or less and on sale, even if it's regularly like full price. And it's like, everyone's just waiting for like this dirt cheap price to where, you know, things are, and it's a complicated issue, right? Because games are so expensive Mm -hmm. and like, I'm a regular dude. I can't afford to be buying everything at 80 bucks a pop. Like it's, it's better part of a hundred bucks here to buy a new game. And Mm -hmm. it's tough because there's, I, I mean, there's a lot of it. A lot of stuff like games really haven't gone up in price that much over the last 10 years. You could probably argue for the development costs and stuff that they should cost more based on how much resources are being put into making them. And and then it gets into this whole thing of like, yeah, well, if they just, you know, distributed the wealth of the profits towards all the people at the company, then they wouldn't have to increase the price and all this stuff. But in general, I just feel like getting moving away from like the top end and how complaining about like the price because it is expensive. But on the low end, I feel like like Free-to-play leads to a bunch of microtransactions which people don't like. And it's great to be able to play something for free. But then, like, if you're not going to pay in towards it, I think the problem is it gets into, ended up being funded by, like, the few people that are putting, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars in. And so they're getting those people to basically fund, like, the whole thing. But then, I guess, I don't know, I'm all over the place, right? <laughs> but then when it comes down to, like, the Steam pricing, it's like, you know, oh, I really want to play that game, but I'm going to wait two years until it's 75% off and get it for 10 bucks. And I think... It's dangerous because we're getting trained to only want to pay the dirt cheap price, but development's only getting to cost more. I mean, maybe that's the, the crux of my argument, right? Yes. And so, so I think there's, there's a disconnect there's a where it's going to be like, eventually, well, how are we going to monetize this? Because if games are costing more to make, but people are getting conditioned that Steam will give you stuff for cheaper and cheaper, then how is that going to shake out in the long term? Like, that's a trend that's concerning to me, right? Like, I think we should meet in the middle where it's like, maybe people should be more likely like, oh, you know, this is worth... 50 bucks you know like this game mm-hmm. is worth buying at this price because i want to show the developers like i want this from them but then maybe it should be like well you know hand us a few more dlcs for free or something you know like we already bought your game like mm-hmm. maybe put those out i don't know how it would work out but i just think people need to be a little bit more reasonable with like what they're expecting games to be priced at yeah and it's a it's a really sticky situation and it's difficult and like it's one of those things where like it is kind of sometimes difficult to justify buying the 80 dollar game totally because, yeah you know like i can buy this 20 dollar game that i've been wanting to play for two years anyway and like totally it is tough i think what it comes down to at least for me is like it's it's how much do i want to play this right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when there's a game and it's like i know i'm playing six other things like i don't need to buy like i almost bought guardians of the galaxy the other day because it was on a sale and yeah. I was like, oh man, like yeah. I really want to play Guardians of the Galaxy. It's on sale for like 50 bucks. Like I to- I want to get this. Like, it's a sale. I should buy it. And like my dumb lizard brain was like, oh, sale is good. <laughs> buy on sale. Then I thought to myself like, when the hell am I going to play Guardians of the Galaxy? It's just going to sit in my like library for a while. Yeah. And I might as well just buy it later when I want to. Either it'll go on the same sale or like well, whatever, right? Like I'll take that exactly. gamble. It might be a better sale. And so I didn't buy it. But, like, it is very much, like, sale, sale, sale. And they're smart about knowing how to totally, put the right. sales out and when, right? And um, But at the same time, like, yeah, I bought Elden Ring. Like, you yeah. know, I'll pay full price for Elden Ring. That's fine. And I think it just depends on, like, do I get this much enjoyment out of it? 
that's what it comes right. down to for me. Like, would I have gotten $50 enjoyment out of Guardian Galaxy? Most likely, absolutely. Like, am I going to get my $80 enjoyment out of Elden Ring? Like, 10 times over, absolutely. And if that means FromSoft is, is making more games because we all bought Elden Ring, like, I'm stoked. But I, you can't, not every game fulfills that. Well, that, that's like, the thing, it right? It's worth and, it, right? And definitely it's like, I'm not saying don't go for sales. Like, obviously, especially mm -hmm. too, like your point's a really good one. Like, if you don't have time to play something, you're obviously not going to, like, I'm not going to run out and go buy a game for 80 bucks when I'm playing three other things and I don't have time to, to play it. But I think, like, there's there's a lot of people that will be like, oh, man, I can't wait to play Elden Ring, but I'm going to play it next year when it's on sale for 50 bucks off. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you're really that interested in it, you know, like, once in a while, just fucking spend, just, just buy it, you know? <laughs> like, just show the companies that that's what you want in a way, I feel um similar to like don't buy games if you're not interested yeah but. that is that is the flip to the argument is there's also a lot of games that are like you know like the pokemon controversy with, mm -hmm. with legends arceus i know a lot of people <laughs> are enjoying it and that's great but yeah. the build up to it is like oh um yeah this this game looks not great but it looks good for a pokemon game sure. and like what do you mean good for a pokemon game like 80 dollars is like good enough like man you know what i I want to have a whole big discussion on this because I have uh, a lot of, I don't know, we have a lot to say about Pokemon, I guess. We have a lot to say about Pokemon. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like some people will just like the flip and they'll just like yeah. pay 80 bucks without even like knowing anything about the game right. because it is like, it's got a name to it or something, right? Right, right, right. And then so that's funny on the flip, like, oh, I can't wait to play this game, but I got to wait two years for a sale. Yeah, so you it's the get, whole like pre-order thing wise. versus that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting argument. And it's like, there's so many details, like you said about it. Like everyone's in their own situation. I know some people that just buy like every new game that comes out and play like two hours of it and then never never touch it again and like that's a huge waste like yeah that you? is a luxury i do not have i know oh god yeah i wish but anyway um, yeah that's i mean that's a that's a big one for sure i i don't know like what else do you have to jump off of that or anything like that but i mean i've got a few more we can yeah if you've got some into. more industry stuff sure, i yeah. think the rest of my stuff is um more like in game so sure yeah i mean I've, <laughs> i only have like two that are in game stuff i think a mm -hmm. lot of them are are um negative let me let me get a few negatives out maybe we'll end on the positive okay. ones at the end okay that seems good okay so this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves of all when it comes to video games is is look it, it kind of ties into the money stuff too and i i really think it's a negative trend and a, and like really unhealthy for the industry that people judge value of a game like their number one criteria if a game is worth a certain amount of money is is length of the game and I, I used to yes. be, I used to be very much like that in terms of like, oh, if I, you know, I used to have this rule where it was like, you know, went back when you're, you know, younger and don't have as much disposable income and whatever. And it's like, okay, if I spend 60 bucks on this game, I have to get 60 hours worth of entertainment out right, of it. A dollar and it's like a dollar an hour yeah, because, and I, and I likened it to like, well, games are a much better deal than movies because a movie yep. you spend 15 bucks and it's like two hours long, whereas a game you can get it, get like an hour per play. Right. And, and the longer... I've thought about that. I've, I've, I can't have reversed my stance on that really any more than I have. And I, I just think of games like, you know, these big Assassin's Creed that's come out and it's like 200 hours long if you do all the side quests and, and like all the, and there's a lot of games that come out too. Like I just played Dragon Quest 11 and like that was a long RPG. And it's like a lot of these games get padded out because they can write on the back of the box that's like, oh, 120 hours worth of gameplay. And I mean, I get it. Like if you're the kind of person that, that buys a console and you have you play like your two or three games a year and you want these kind of experiences to be so long like this like that's great you know but 
lar- by and large, like there's a lot of games where I'm feel like this would actually have been better if it was five hours shorter and a more tight experience. And I think of some of my favorite games from last year, like Metroid and the Artful Escape, and those games mm-hmm. were like less than ten hours long. But you know what they had? They had amazing art styles, great polish, like tight mechanics, uh, gameplay, like interesting gameplay. You know, like the Art- Artful Escape had a great plot. And to me, it's like if those games, like if Metroid was like thirty hours long and and the drawn out, like that wouldn't be better just because it was longer you know like there's a lot more to games than just having a length of gameplay especially with someone like me that that likes to play a lot of different stuff and i'm constantly trying different experiences like i just i just really don't see i mean you got to get your value out of it right but to me Mm -hmm. it's like there's a lot of things i would prioritize over just simply hours played you can just replay a short game if you like it that much you want to get your money out of it absolutely that is one of the things i put down and i kind of tied it to also well partially it's it's the length and yeah padding like i don't i don't think that's a quantifier of value i absolutely 100 percent agree and in fact it's gotten to the point where like i'm busy i have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and i don't have anywhere near the amount of time that i would like to have for gaming and it genuinely puts me off these days when it's like oh this game's 200 hours i don't have 200 hours right like Mm -hmm. I, I can't prioritize that and or at least like if I do that's the only game I'm going to be playing for the next six months so I, that puts me off as well and like some games it, it, it makes sense and some games you know that the <clears throat> length is sure. a product of the game but it shouldn't be a requirement and I've tied that into I don't like the trend of everything having to be open world yeah that's um, another good one too and mm-hmm. I think those go together because open world has this connotation of being like oh it's you know so much player freedom and agency mm-hmm. and, and immersion like, like the immersion <laughs> in a means. real whatever living, that means breathing world and yes open world absolutely can fulfill that kind of thing like you get dropped into something like ghost of tsushima or red dead redemption 2 and like the worlds are amazing but you know how much time the developers spent in red dead 2 making like realistic animal cycles and Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the world exists outside of you and like the game is like they put so much time and effort into making a real living world that exists without the player so i'd say the open world is justified right and it depends what you're making right it it just depends if that's what you're going for yeah exactly but not every game actually benefits from having a big open world and oftentimes you get these massive worlds and they're filled with nothing Mm -hmm. because it's almost like that's like a checkbox that they had to fill out or like at least be able to say that it's open world if like like as a marketing thing and i genuinely like story-driven single-player games that are linear i don't think linear is a bad thing i think it depends on what kind of experience you want to tell like think of like like you said the artful escape and like you know, think about the original Bioshock and how great of a game. Right. Yeah. Would that, that be is, Would right? that be better if it was like you're walking through a giant open world to get to those story moments with Fontaine and all that stuff? Like, no, not really. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't work, right? Like your character has a really time sensitive goal that they need to accomplish, and if you're just like, oh, hang on, I've got, you know, I'm gonna go pick flowers. For <laughs> I'm this gonna go collect these. Here. Yeah, like, yeah. I gotta, like, I gotta find three cats and like. No, like that, that to me breaks my immersion because, okay, sure, I get to choose all these things, but it doesn't make sense that my character would choose that. And I right. think, I think developers need to be really careful about selecting, like, player agency 
is a good thing. I like it in a lot of games, but I think you need to really think about what that means for the experience, mm -hmm. how it influences how a person's going to play, what they're going to do with that agency, and then decide if it actually is good or not. And that's not to say that you can't have, you know, strong player choices or you can't have exploration in a linear game. Like Bioshock is one of my favorite games to like, you know, look at every little nook and cranny and explore because it's got an amazing world. But I'm still going from point A to point B at the end of the day. And that means that the developers can you know, they know I'm going to enter a room from this direction, which means they can have some set piece going on in the background mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I'm going to have, like, the, I'm going to be the perfect audience for because I approached it in the, the way right, that they yeah, knew yeah. I would. Yeah. And it's a more bespoke experience based on, like, there's less, there's less, I guess, like, diversity in terms of, like, how you can tackle stuff. And sometimes that's good. But then other times you're right. Like, I prefer that experience you're talking about, too, where it is kind of kind of laid out for you in a more intentional way. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, I think lately it's become the trend that like open world, good, linear, bad, must have player choice, otherwise game is bad. And I just think that they're both very powerful for different kinds of experiences. And I want to see more and I'm we are getting more like story driven single player RPGs mm -hmm. lately. And it, mm -hmm. we are kind of getting some games that that do more of like, at least not a super open world in terms of like you can do anything at any time. It's more like here are three options at a time. And so, right. you know, we're bridging that. And I think it, it's not all gone to shit, but I think there, there are definitely still some games where they're open for the sake of being open. And yeah, they don't need to be right. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the things that put me off. Like the original horizon was like, I just, there was just too much to do. Right. And I've, I've recently like changed Ghost of Tsushima really made me change how I approach open world stuff because I used to really be like, Oh my God, I have to do everything. Mm -hmm. Cause if I miss something, I'm going to not, not have this great experience, yeah. you know? Whereas with, with um, Tsushima, I really was just like, you know what? No, screw it. I'm going to just mainline this, like follow the golden path, do the story, treat it as if it is a linear experience. And then mm -hmm. if I want more, or if I feel like I really am being compelled, then I go into the side stuff. And I had such yeah. a good time doing it that way. And I also played a game, like one of my favorite open worlds is the Spider-Man games, which are, are mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> I think some of the best because that is contextualized. Like, of course it's an open world. Like Spider-Man takes care of New York. It makes sense that you have the open world of New York, but it's not enormous. Like it's navigatable. It's not, it's not too overwhelming. And I did the same thing, like story mission, story mission, story mission. Oh, I, I kind of am interested in like these side quests. I'll go do these. And then it just adds. Mm -hmm. It's not like I felt I was weighed down. Like I have to go, oh, I have to go collect all these little drone races and find all this, take these pictures, these different places before I don't do the story for two hours, you know? That's not the experience I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. And and some of that Like it kinda in a way it sort of comes down to, to be fair, like yeah. you don't have to do everything, right? Like but yeah. you know, you feel compelled. And I think that that's maybe something to take into consideration when you're making a game and it's like, or I don't know. It's not their responsibility, and if it's in the game, you don't have to do it, and so it doesn't hurt you if it's there, but like it is yeah. distracting and sure. you know. Yeah, and I don't think either of us are really open world people, though, you know, like for for the most part, I feel like they're pretty few and far between when we really get into that stuff. Um, I had one other really like, I guess, negative point before I get into the positive ones. want to get get through mm -hmm. the last little bit of negative Nancy stuff is I really don't like the trend. And I think everyone can like universally agree on this of like release a game and then fix it later through patches if yeah. it wasn't ready. I think that's a really like really negative trend in the sense of being a consumer is like you shouldn't be the tester right like there's some examples of games like cyberpunk or like the new avengers yeah. that have come out 
or like Anthem in those, which is like this, this clearly was not ready. And you're just releasing it because probably some shareholders were like, nope, this has to come out because we need, we need to like get our revenue up for the quarter or whatever it is. And so you release it and then get your staff to crunch and, and like work on these fixes. And then the reviews end up being shitty at the start because it doesn't work and the game just gets panned. And I just see it like there's, there's such a clear other way to do this, right? Which is just call your game early access. Like (laughs) Fortnite is still in early access. Minecraft was in early access for years. That game came out in like 2009 or something, you know? And those are two of the most successful games on the planet right now. And and just because I think like that really helped out, like if something's early access and you're you're going in, you're like, hey, I, I expect there to be some glitches, right? I expect it not to work properly 100%, but this is early access. I know what I'm getting into. Whereas if you're like, no, this is game is coming out right now and it's clearly just not ready. Like that's such a bad practice, man. And you're charging people full yeah. price for something. And like the average consumer is not going to know that this game is you know, going to come out with such a shaky start. Like they're going to the store expecting to buy a game that works. And I, I just think it's such a negative trend just because they're able to release these patches afterwards. Like you got to release yeah. a product that's at least the baseline of what is going to work for your consumer. Yeah. First of all, I'm floored that Fortnite is still in early access. That <laughs> I think it's kind of a mind. joke at, at the you know, at this point, right? Stay there forever. I don't know, but there, um, I mean, there's a lot of examples. Those are just kind of the two that yeah, of course. Stuck out. That's just I I did not know that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I completely agree. And it's funny that like that's just accepted because like there's literally nothing else you'd ever buy in your life, or if it didn't yeah. work, you wouldn't you would not be like taking it back or like phoning customer service <laughs> and like. Sure, especially with like serve online and like service games, like it's not gonna be perfect early, right? Sure, like sure. it is you can do as many network tests as you want and like it's tough to get everything working flawlessly for every single person. And so like I think that having the ability to day one patch is phenomenal and like it is a good thing, but absolutely it gets abused more than it gets used properly. Yeah. I mean I think it's and, it's a great thing, right? It's it's a blessing to have the ability to upgrade and make your game better after release, but I think there just needs to be a higher bar of like what's an acceptable state to release your game in. And I feel like there's yeah. very few examples of a game that comes out in a shitty state and then still gets like a great reception and does really well. Like you just get bad press for yourself, you know, and then games that come out with a huge amount of polish or like at least they hit that baseline. I feel like it's like, wow, you know, this is functioning really well and can't wait to see what gets added to it. And it's all positive and people end up liking it a lot more too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is It is genuinely just like trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like, oh shit, we don't want to delay it. Like we said pre-orders and that looks bad. So we'll just shove it out and we'll fix it, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hate it, man. I hate uh, that stuff. But and that's all the yeah. negative stuff I had listed, though. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I, we're past that, at least for I've me. I've got one more negative, but it's definitely just a preference and just something kind of funny is I hate base building in games. Like, please stop making me craft and, and build a base. Like, I could not be less interested when games throw that kind of stuff in. Like, I remember playing Fallout 4 and being excited about it when that game came out. And you do like a few of the quests and like, I never played a Fallout game. And so this is kind of, aside from playing like a couple hours of three. And so I was excited, like this is my first Fallout. And you know, you get like a couple hours in and then it's like main quest line, build a base. And every like 10 minutes you're interrupted by some dude and he's like, hey, have you built your base yet? (laughs) I'm like, I'm out. Like, I just cannot be bothered and like, every game has a crafting system now and like sometimes they're good and i like them but we also talked about in plague tale about how you're like crafting all those items but like you're always full of materials mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like it doesn't matter you might as well just have access to them 
And yeah, I just feel like it's such a thing. It's just like one of those checkbox things now where it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll put it in people like this or like, you know, yeah, we want them yeah. to explore, but we don't know why we want them to explore. So well, crafting materials, that's, you know. Yeah, it's like putting those things in that. because you want to click that checkbox, like you said, and not because mm -hmm. one of the designers was like, hey, this is actually going to mechanically enhance our game. You know, like, yeah. like, I feel like The Last of Us is a good example of like the crafting in that game is quick and it is relevant. Like, you're like, okay, on the fly, like, how am I going to tackle this? Oh, what do I have in my inventory? Oh, I can make one one nail bomb or something. So how am I going to tackle this? Yeah. And I feel like that's really organic as opposed to like, hey, we have this big open world. What can you find in there? Um, Oh, I guess crafting material. Like, just yeah. like you're saying, right? Like, it's not, it totally depends how it's implemented. Yeah. I'm so with yeah, you on in, that. In something and like, and like Resident Evil is good for that too. Cause like, you get supplies and then it's like, well, I can craft bullets or I can craft healing. And like, it's making you make choices and improvise and adapt on the fly. And that's mm -hmm. really interesting to have that control. But yeah, when it's just like, oh, you know, I've, I've made 50 of the same. I'm just going to sit here in inventory management for half an hour to like craft all this useless shit that I'll never use. Like, yeah, ugh, it just drives me nuts. And even in games where like, that's one of the main mechanics, like I hated the like, why is Animal Crossing's crafting so bad? That's your whole game. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm I'm with yeah. you though. Not everything needs crafting. Not everything needs cooking. Not everything needs base building and all that stuff. I'm, I'm I totally agree. I think that speaks to like we're not just open world people as well for the most part, right? Like those I, I are like so. largely open world mechanics. They are large open world mechanics, but I I respect it in some cases. Like yeah, Resident Evil and um, Last of Us and like certain games do it well. Like if, if resources are scarce and they're meaningful, mm -hmm. then crafting is interesting. Yeah. If you're just bombarded with them all the time, it's a chore. And that's how I felt there, in Plague Tale, right? Like I felt balance. like, what's the point? I have so many of these things. Yeah. Just give me the ammo. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, I want to bring up some positive, some positive trends. Okay. Let's get yeah, happy let's, about let's this. Positive. <laughs> okay. Here's my positive trend. And this is one that's like, wow, we talk about dreams a lot on this show, right? And how cool we think it is. And we've agreed we're both going to pick it up, ironically, on a sale when we're talking about <laughs> yeah, like that. that's right. But um, I th I think one of the most positive trends in games is creation games, um, mm -hmm. and I think like you know people love to bag on like Minecraft and and um, you know it's it's like the meme game because kids are annoying on YouTube and there's some really annoying like <laughs> stuff like that. But I think like what like Minecraft and even Fortnite and games like Dreams and Roblox and all these games like. Sure, they're games in Minecraft, like whatever, you can play the single player, but really the beauty of why that's so popular is because you can make all your different game modes in it and you can do the same in Roblox and Fortnite. You can make your own lab games and have your own custom objectives and do your stuff and, and dreams people are literally making like proper games. And I just think that these platforms, like Mario Maker is another one. People can make their own Mario levels. Mario and it's so cool that stuff like game design, which is which is like previously like 10 years ago even, was like gated off to only people that understand programming and whatnot um whereas now like anyone can buy any one of those games i just listed and start making their own stuff and it can be quality like depending if you put your time into it and i i think that's just such a really cool evolution of like games are now also kind of game creation tools and i i love to see that because it just expands creativity to so such a wider audience of people and you never know like who might have a really cool idea for a game, but they just don't have the technical skills, but now they can buy something like Dreams or or Minecraft and like literally make it. Mm -hmm. I I think that is probably the, the best point. And probably, I don't think we're going to touch on anything better. I love this trend. It's amazing. Like 
I thought of just creativity in general. Like, I feel like we've had so many unique and different games and like the indie scene is so booming right now. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of like a subsection of that, I, I suppose, right? It's just like there there's more access for people and more of a platform for their games to get seen mm-hmm. now in the last like 10 years. And so like we do like Nintendo's indie specific showcases, right? Like that's something that that gets traction and like we had like hades get i mean i guess super giant isn't super small but like you know they're winning they're winning like awards over triple a games and it's just so nice to see so many passion projects come out and we're not in that like muddy everything's dark and gritty and brown and a shooter and like (laughs) you know we're, we're getting some really interesting stuff and i think having those creation games only fuels that more because you get these people who wouldn't normally be going into game design mm-hmm. getting their feet wet in something like dreams and right. then going on to to create a game outside of that right or i mean even if they don't they're still making something like i could see a future yes. where later in the ps5 life cycle it's like okay you're going to the playstation store you know what are you looking for you got your triple a stuff here you tab over mm-hmm. and there's the indie stuff here and then you can tab over again and it's like what if they're what if they sold the games made in dreams just for like a buck and you could just yeah. you could just buy them even if you don't have dreams and play them independently like that would be such a cool future to live in Hmm. absolutely that is that is, I like that a lot. It's very good. Um, that's better than the dumb joke <laughs> answers I put down. <laughs> no, no, seriously. What did you put? I was like, oh, we're getting a lot of souls likes. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a lot of those. That's a huge we trend. We are getting a lot of them. It is a big trend. You know, Not all of them are good. No, well, it's like um, a hot thing, right? Like, I feel like since over the last 10 years or so, I feel like Dark Souls has gone from like a very niche thing that very few are interested in to like, it's one of the biggest games on the planet now, you know, and it yeah. only makes sense that people will Im- mimic that and try to do their own take mm-hmm. on it. Absolutely. And it's like, it's so nice to see all these, like the Reddit's always like, I just beat this boss for the first time. And like the community is so lovely and, and encouraging. But yeah, like for me personally, it's like, I can just, there is an abundance of them and they're not all good. And they're not all, um, none of them are quite like uh, the originals, but I like this trend. I want it to continue. We can have as many like Hades style action roguelikes as we want. You know, as many souls likes <laughs> yep. as we want. Yep. I'm not tired of them. Um, but again, it has that creativity. People are doing such interesting things with them. Like I picked up Returnal because someone compared it to Dark Souls for me. And Returnal is like, it's like an alien sci-fi bullet hell game. And it's so incredibly different, but like it it springboarded off of that to a degree sure and you know there's there's something we said about like you know it's games stagnating and you know they're all the same and there's like thirty five thousand clones of, of games but at the same time like people are taking those ideas and making really unique games based off of that framework right because nothing gets yeah. built in a vacuum well, it's the nature of art like everything is iterative mm-hmm. you can take any game and it's going to have pieces of something else in it like it just it has to right like the, the, someone created yeah. a health bar for the first time like every game <laughs> is going to have that you know that's true it's... that's true i i think the other thing i i wanted to point out that i like is that we're getting a lot of games that aren't necessarily like quote-unquote games we're getting a lot of pieces that are like experiences and more like art pieces and you think of games like journey where like yeah there's there's mechanics you need to make jumps and and you're controlling things but it's very much meant to be like more of an artistic piece 
yeah. than anything yeah. else. And and like you get like interactive story games and you get games that are like basically just like cutscenes and, and movies and you get ones that are just, you know, all the visual novel dialogue kind of stuff. Yeah. And I like that those it's expanded to like a broader idea of what constitutes as a video game and and how you can tell a story. And I don't feel like we used to to get tons of those. Before? Yeah, it was well it was like story and mechanics, right? And I think now it's mm-hmm. just like there's there's a certain group of developers that obviously probably grew up with old Fallout and stuff and they're like, "Hey, you know, these stories are interesting. What if we just focused our time in writing a story and we just made it interactive and there wasn't as much focused on like the, on the mechanics and what that. That's so true. I I think that's a good trend and like even it makes me think of stuff like there was that um that like Matrix experience which was basically just like checking out whatever they'd made in 4k mm-hmm. it wasn't even real. it was like tied in with a movie or something i remember a couple months ago and like that's not even mm-hmm. really a game but it's just a cool type of thing you can experience through a video game console right <laughs> or like that there was that tool album that came out uh, or something like that like that experience i forget what it was now but it, it's just like non-game stuff that's still a game quote unquote i, I think you're so right very cool mm-hmm. um yeah. one thing that i put down and this made me came up in my mind from the Nintendo Direct we just watched and the Ezio trilogy that just came out. Um, I'm really enjoying the trend, and maybe this isn't like a recent trend, but of like how many remakes and remasters we're getting this, these days. I think it's a really good thing, and I, I feel it's a bit mm-hmm. of a controversial point because a lot of people are like, well, I, I would rather they put out something new than a, than a remaster or like something I've played before. And to some extent, that's true. Like, I would rather have you know, a new game, if it's something I've played before a lot of the time too. But I think what's missed in that is number one, a lot of the time, a lot of these remakes and remasters are not done by the original studio. So it's not like it's taking their resources away. There's like other studios that are remaking it or the original studio has made enough profit and grown because of how successful their games are that they can have a separate team that is working on the remake Mm -hmm. while they also work on something new. So you're not missing out as a fan. It's only growing. And I feel like as, as, gamers right like we're there's something like inherently inherently um normal about like sharing games like you know i remember being kids and like we'd be watching over each other's shoulders when we're playing games Mm -hmm. and to me it's like that's a really cool experience like sharing something i love with someone else so in the same way like i'm thinking of the mass effect trilogy that just got remastered last year or like the dead space remake that's coming out next or like whenever that comes out next year this year like sure i've played that before but for I'm excited for people that haven't played that to go back and play something that I really like. And I would rather have that experience and share that with people and get more people into what I like rather than selfishly get like, you know, a new Dead Space game a couple of years quicker or something. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like, it is a controversial opinion, but I'm with you 100%. Like, we had a good talk about that on, I think, our last news episode. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's so exciting. And there's so many games that you you miss out on or you don't have the opportunity to play. And so many games are are difficult to find. Like, they're not, there's not an ease of access for mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. older games. And so, you know, even if it's just a port to a new a new console, that helps. But just going that extra mile to mm-hmm. have a remaster or a remake and just bringing it into you know, something that feels a little bit more modern is is nice. And so many of them, I feel like, are done with, like, love and care. Like, the argument is always, like, oh, it's just a lazy way to make money. Like, that's not creative. They just remade something. But it's, like, That's just a cynical way to look at it, though, I think. It's cynical. Like, it's special for a lot of people. A lot of people want to be able to play, you know, a nostalgic game in in a new light with a new coat of paint. And, 
you know, like a lot of them are done so well. Like they're adding like motion control, flight controls to yeah, some of the, yeah. some of like when you're doing the plane in Assassin's Creed, and it's like they didn't have to do that. And I yeah. feel like a lot of them, like the majority of the games that are getting remastered, at least the big ones, do not feel like you know cheap, easy money. They they are putting a lot of time and effort into them. Yeah, but. Well, I think and, a lot of people lose it too. They're like, oh, sorry to cut you off, but it's like, it's not like, it's not like the company is just like, oh, we're going to put the disc in for this game and push the port button and then it will come out and be for <laughs> PS5. Like there's a lot of work that gets put into this stuff. Yeah. It's not like they just, they just like easily do it. They would do it for every game if they could just do it that quickly. They would make tons more money. <laughs> yeah. And even if it was that easy, like that's still only a positive thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think this is the bad trend that this is my last negative trend I've, I've thought of when we've been talking about this is, is how um like just selfish game like game <laughs> communities can be yeah because yeah. like that's always the joke right like you watch nintendo direct and it's like you know you see like 30 games that are, are really exciting and it's like all the comments are like but where is zelda but like yeah, but where's right, the right, one right. game i was looking for and like of course like you want to see the game like i went through elden ring hell like i'm still waiting on goddamn silk song like sure. i know i know what that feels like you're excited you get your hopes up for something but like i just think like there's value in things existing that aren't for you and there's value in like diversity and there's value in people being able to to have all these options for what they want to play and I think remasters and remakes are the ultimate like example of that in the sense of like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I've already played this, so this like this doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter for me to have another dead space. And it's like, but so many people haven't, and this is so exciting. Right? Yeah, well, a clear example for it is like, there's a lot of people that would say Shadow of the Colossus is one of the best games ever made, and like you know, it's a PS2 classic, and it still holds up. And I don't, I don't think any of that's untrue. Like, it is a great game, but that's an example of like. As I said, I've played Dead Space. I'm excited for people that haven't to go and try that new one. Like, I hadn't mm -hmm. played Shadow of the Colossus. And what's the likelihood of me going back to plug in my PS2 to find an old copy to go do it? Like, I'm not going to do that. But I mm -hmm. loved playing the remastered version. And now when people bring up that argument of like, oh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I played it back on the PS2. I'm like, man, I wish I had that experience playing it when it came out. But I have played the remaster. And I totally agree with you that it's a fun game. Or And have mm -hmm. like a touchstone to go back and play that older stuff. It's just... It's such an important thing, I think. And like you can get into the whole preservation of games argument too. A little different, I guess, if you're remaking stuff, but it's still a way to access that older or like catalog of different different games. Very cool. Um, I don't know. We're running a little long here, Kate. We've got an hour twenty-two. Um, I don't know if you just want to rapid fire through the rest. I got a few more to go through for myself, which I really wanted to bring up, but maybe I'll just okay. touch on them quick. Um Sure, you go for it. Yeah, sure. So I really like the trend of games becoming more like multi-platform i guess we talked about consolidation and how it's bad in one way but on the other hand there's a trend of like playstation's finally putting some of its games on pc and xbox is putting game pass on pc and you know why do we have to get, keep it just at the playstation console you know like let's let's put everything on playstation on pc i get not wanting to put on an xbox but like being on pc at least it's a great thing you know more people are going to get to play a great game so let's keep that going um, my other trend that I really liked was, um, I really think like licensed games are making a really good comeback. I know there's like, <laughs> there's like a horrible stereotype in games of like every licensed game is shit. And like, let's point out all the bad Game Boy Advance and Wii games of shovelware, like, <laughs> you know, just slap a license on and it sucks. But if you think about it, like we have the, the Spider-Man games for Insomniac. Those are great. Um, the Witcher is a licensed product. Like I really enjoyed the South Park Stick of Truth RPGs. Um, Batman Arkham is like the quintessential like modern 
you know, revered licensed game. I really think there's a lot of good licensed games that are coming out yeah. these days. And like, I know Marvel's Avengers was bad and all that. And there's tons of examples yeah. you can probably pick out, but I think in general, they're on the upswing and that's exciting. Yeah, I completely agree. Shout out to Midnight Suns looks so good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think that's true. And it also ties into like, we're getting some like movie stuff mm -hmm. um, in that same kind of vein that's actually pretty decent. Like I really enjoyed Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Um, and I know that like Pokemon's already a franchise that's like, you know, it's it's not just games. It's, it is like a big multimedia franchise, but we're getting other stuff like, you know, the we're getting about like the Last of Us TV show looks like it's going to be so good. And like, I know the Uncharted movies had some, you know, struggles, <laughs> some but like I'm some, some questionable choices in, in reviews, but I'm still going to go see it. and like. You know, Castlevania, that animated mm, man, show that was, was so good. absolute fire. Like, we are getting, um, and like I knew the Bungies talked about like doing some Destiny stuff. Like, we are getting um, to see like universes and worlds we love and in, in other forms of media as well, which mm -hmm. I'm really excited for. And like, we're still kind of in that era of like video game movies are shit. But but we're moving <laughs> towards, you know, this one's actually There's some glimmers decent. of hope in there, right? There's some glimmers yeah, of like, hope. I can't wait for yeah, the Last of Us TV show. That's exactly. going to be fantastic, we're, hopefully. We're, we're kind of, we're not, we haven't crossed the boundary yet, but we're we're at the door. We're knocking mm -hmm. and we're going to get through eventually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I had one more positive trend that I really like, and then I'm tapped as far as what I came up with, which is that there's a, there's a trend, like I know like accessibility is becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's like only for the better, really. Um, obviously, but one thing in particular that I really like, and it's come to my attention like a lot recently because I've been playing Forza on Xbox, really enjoying it, is I love this trend of like games including rewind features. Um, and like in Forza, if you make a mistake, and some people would hate this, right? The people that are like, no, you have to get good and you only can do it this one way. And fuck you if you like want to do it a different way than I play. <laughs> but like in Forza, you can you can rewind, right? So if I spin off the road and like you know take a corner way too fast and fuck up you can just hold trying hold i guess it's y on the xbox look over at my controller and you can <laughs> it like rewinds to a certain point in the race and you can like redo that one section and i know it's like the purists are going to be like well you know you your race time doesn't count now because you can just go back and edit whenever you make a mistake but you know what no one's actually going to play that way. Like if you want to rewind every time you make one mistake, like you're going to be, it's going to be like a five hour race. Like <laughs> you're going to be there for a yeah, long time. You're going to op optimize the fun out of it. Yeah. But for someone like me, it's like, that's a fun feature because Forza is kind of skirting that line between burnout arcade, which I really love and like the Gran Turismo really realistic stuff. So I'm really learning like exactly how to play. And for me, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty good. But if I mess up one corner, it's so much more appealing just to rewind that and try and redo it than like come in last on a race and have to redo it or like click restart when I'm already two out of three laps in, you know, like it just makes it so much easier for someone to get in. And then I've been using it less and less because it's allowed me to practice on the fly instead of like being discouraged, having to restart all the time. And it's the same thing for like the Nintendo online, like when you get the Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. the NES, like those games have the have like built in rewind features as well yeah, from Nintendo. And and like for me, like I went and played, I don't know, like you can go back and play some of those old games on there and like they're hard as nails, right? Because it's built on a live system and like it's a short game. So they want you to be able to replay it a bunch because you got to die a lot and like start levels from the start. And like for me, it's like I don't have interest in doing that. But if I can go for an hour and like, you know, if I have an unfair death in Super Mario World, just rewind it and keep going. Like I'll actually get to the end of the game. I'll get to see the end of it and not be put off and actually get to experience the whole thing. And right, I just which think you that's, would not have which I wouldn't have done otherwise. And if people are going to talk up some of these old games of being like so, so good. Like, sure, I could sit there for like 
three times as long as I did and, and like pound my way through it. But like, that's not fun. It's just going to put me off. Then I won't play it. And my experience will be like, oh, that game isn't so great. But now I can be like, you know what, for what it was, it's a good thing. Like I made it through using this. If I ever wanted to play it again, maybe I would try not using that feature, but at least I've experienced it. At least I've been able to go back. And so those are kind of like mm -hmm. two different examples of how I just think those functions are fantastic and, mm -hmm. and like just make it so much more accessible to play stuff that you otherwise wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. And and not just even that, but yeah, just all accessibility features, right? Yeah. Like get colorblind modes in every single thing, mm -hmm, right? Like mm -hmm. get proper like subtitles for people who are not playing with sound. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, make make every game should you should be able to customize your controls because whatever's oh, no doubt about for it. you, right? Like that's one thing these Nintendo are sucks that, like, for. <laughs> yeah, these are things that like are kind of becoming no brainers and we're yeah. almost at the point now where it's like it's weird if a game doesn't have it. And yeah, it's good. shocking. And there's I so think, many honestly. other features that could be in that no brainer. And we've talked about this before, and mm -hmm. you know, there's we don't necessarily see eye to eye on every aspect of it, but in sure, general, sure. like you know, accessibility features are are very very positive. Yeah, and it's nice that it's at least a discussion people are having, and it's something that we're we're looking at. Totally, yeah, totally. But anyway, yeah, those are my, those are my trends. I feel like I had. For some, I prepared for this one pretty late, but I was like, man, I got a big list. <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about, absolutely, yeah. and and whatever constitutes as a trend or not, but it, it's yeah, interesting yeah. just to look back and see how how things have changed over time. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad that neither of us brought up like loot boxes and all that stuff. I feel like those are like played out trends now. Like, there's more stuff to talk about. Yeah, but um. Yeah, if you would like to write in and tell us what your favorite gaming trends are, or if you disagree with anything we've brought up, and you especially think especially if it's loot boxes, yeah, you think we're <laughs> you think we're dumb because you know we like any of these things, or vice versa. If you think that games, uh, you know, licensed games still suck, write in. If you think remasters, remakes are a bad use of time, write in. If you disagree that any of these things or disagree whatever, let us know. Uh, Circles and Squares Pod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what people have as their their takes on different trends as well too, because as mm -hmm. much as we laid out a lot. There's just like endless information on this and like stuff we would never think of because we don't play certain games and all that. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from that. Um, again, if you want to leave us a review, if you like our content, uh, please do so over on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening. Much appreciated as always. Um, Kate and I are actually going to get around to recording the lost character tier list for it's CNS happening. Extra. It's actually we, happening. We have to go back. <laughs> uh, we, we have to go back. We've got it scheduled in for this week. So look forward to that uh you know probably later this week early next week maybe it'll be bonus for over the weekend next week. um keep your eyes open folks um but anyway enjoy the episode we hope you enjoyed and we'll see everyone again um on the next one <laughs>